Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be the shadow of death. Let's begin today in Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, which is a psalm of David, beginning in the first verse, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 4 said, Yea, though I walk for the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Shadow of death is a unique phrase, one that we've heard a lot over the years. But what exactly is the shadow of death? And what does it mean for our lives as Christians? This phrase in the concordance means a death-like shadow, a deep shadow. The shadow of death means something different for us as Christians than it does for those in the world. First, let's look at the Christian side. It's different for us mainly because of the fact that our relationship with death is different than that of the unbeliever. What we normally call death isn't actually death in its truest form because it's only our body that dies. Our soul and our spirit, those parts of us that make us who we really are as a person, go on, just in a different location. Death is really just a translation and a relocation. It's not really an ending or a ceasing of life. 1 Timothy 1 and 10 says, But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has abolished death. He hasn't just limited it or pushed it back temporarily. He completely abolished it. It's gone forever. It's never going to be a part of our lives again because Christ already faced it for us. So if death has been abolished, why do we still face times of being in the valley of the shadow of death? And what does that actually look like in our day-to-day lives? The most important thing to understand is that it's the shadow of death. It's not death itself. It's the shadow. If we want to understand spiritual shadows, we first need to understand natural ones, because the natural realm is merely a dim reflection of the spiritual realm. In the natural, there are two different parts of shadows. The first is the penumbra, which is the region in which only a portion of the light source is obscured by something. The second is the umbra, which is the innermost and darkest part of a shadow, where the light source is completely blocked. As Christians, we're dealing with the first one. When we're in the valley, the shadow of death, we're in a place and at a point where the devil is attempting to obscure the light from us. It's in the absence of light that things become blurry. They become harder to understand and perceive, which naturally leads to confusion and even disillusionment. This means truth becomes hard to discern. The will of God becomes hard to discern. And right and wrong become difficult to differentiate between. Noah Webster defines shadow as shade within defined limits, obscurity or deprivation of light, darkness, an imperfect and faint representation, opposed to substance. The other important element of a shadow that we need to look at is how it appears and what it consists of. There are times when the devil not only tries to obscure light, he tries to deprive us of it, to actively withhold it, to keep it back. He tries to keep us in darkness because darkness is his domain. He does his works in darkness, hoping that what can't be seen won't be discovered. But as we know, nothing is done in the dark that won't be brought to light. 
Nevertheless, he still uses this as one of his devices against us. Another thing that we need to make note of is the part of the definition that said imperfect and faint representation, opposed to substance. The device is the obscuring and depriving of light, but how he administers this device is through this. This is important, because this is characteristic of every single attack of the devil, and it's really characteristic of all that he is himself. The appearance is there. The shape, the form, the outline of something is there, but not the substance. During an attack from the devil, it may have the appearance of being powerful, it may look powerful, it may feel powerful, but there's actually no power there. The only power the devil ever has over us is that which we allow him to exert over us, which stems from how much we perceive him to have. The devil is all bark and no bite. He seems to be strong, wise, and powerful, but in reality, he has none of these things. But yet for using the appearance and the feel of these things, he's able to convince a considerable number of Christians that he possesses these attributes. When they get to that point where they think that he's powerful or wise or strong, they don't resist to the best of their ability because they feel like he's too strong or too powerful for them. They think that he can outwit them. So why resist? He'll just win in the end anyway. But this comes down to a perception problem, which is the very reason why he operates in the shadow, because it's the shadow that warps perception through the limiting of light. This also relates to fear. The devil keeps control of people, oppressing them through fear. The shadow is a place of fear. People who are afraid will do what you want them to. People fear what's unknown. And the most fundamental fear upon which all other fears rest is the fear of death. Since we're natural mortal beings, we inherently fear death. The devil realizes this, and because of this he capitalizes on it, using this fear of death against us. The devil knows scripture better than anyone. He realizes that death has been abolished, but it still serves his purpose. He gets Christians to forget that death has been done away with and holds it continually over their head, making them fearful that any misstep could be what leads them to the exact thing that they fear. Darkness and fear are directly related. When we can't see something clearly, it can appear frightening because we have trouble grasping what exactly we're looking at, which affects our response to it. But it's said earlier that a shadow has defined limits. The darkness and the fear has defined limits, which is important for us as the people of God. The devil's ability to attack and come against us is limited. He can only do so much, and God won't tolerate him going beyond that defined limit. What about those in the world? What does the shadow of death look like for them? They're dealing with the second part of the shadow, the umbra, the innermost, deepest part of the shadow, where there's no light to be found. It's completely blocked off from the source. This is the condition of the world, and we're all familiar with it because we were all in the same condition before we met Christ. They're in spiritual darkness, unable to see the light of Christ for themselves. And this isn't only their own doing. The devil plays a major role in this. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, and whom the God of this world that blinded the minds of them which believe not, was the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine under them. They're spiritually blind, unable to see the truth. So it's not so much that they're confused or see only in part. They don't see at all. Spiritual truth is unknown to them. They have no connection to God, who is the source. This is right where the devil wants a person. He doesn't want any light getting to them. Romans 6 and 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They haven't accepted that free gift, so death is still the verdict, it's still the result. 
This being the case, the shadow of death, although still only the appearance and the form of it, although what Mary looks like it and feels like it, is foreshadowing something they will see and feel, something that they will experience if nothing changes. This has an effect. It becomes a crippling fear that opens wide the door for oppression and even possession. The fear of death is always there. It may not be something that they always think about or something that they always feel. It may be beneath the surface, lurking in the back of their minds, but it's always there and it doesn't go away. Just like with Christians, light is actively being withheld. Except for unbelievers, it's withheld in totality. That's something he can never do to the children of God. But to his own people, he keeps them completely in the dark. They stay in that valley, under that deep, immense, dark shadow, until something drastically changes. And that change is only accomplished through Christ, who is the light of the world. It's not hard to understand why the world goes through the valley of the shadow of death. It's the only condition they've ever had. They never knew spiritual light. But what about Christians? How is it that Christians get to the point where they're enduring the valley of the shadow of death? Let's go to Psalm 107. In Psalm 107, beginning in the ninth verse, it says, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We find the shadow of death mentioned twice in this chapter. In all of scripture, we find it mentioned only 20 times. This chapter reveals to us how people get into the valley, the shadow of death. Verse 11 said, Because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. This is how Christians end up in the valley. They rebel against the word. This may not take the form of them actively coming against God's word or actively attempting to avoid it. It could be far more subtle. It could be the inclination to not want to read the word or to not want to make the word a priority in their life. This may happen slowly over time, reading less, taking less time to be with God, and soon they find themselves going deeper and deeper into the shadow. Why would it be rebelling of the word that brings a person into that shadow? Psalm 119 and 105 says, That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Then verse 130 in that same psalm says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. The word of God is a light source. It's the way through which Jesus, who is the light of the world, communicates the light that is within him to us. This enables us to also be the light of the world, because we receive light from him. Since the word is the light source, the devil tries to block that source. He sends every type of attack and distraction and trial and tribulation that you can think of to try to stop you. He'll do whatever he can to keep you away from it. He does this because he's afraid of you getting more light. For all of the many Christians who struggle to figure out God's will for their life, this becomes even more important. The devil targets his attacks towards what he knows to be a Christian's weakest points. If he knows a person is having a hard time figuring out God's will, he'll attempt to hold back the light of the word and to obscure whatever light gets through so that it becomes unclear and confusing to their minds. The word is the written expression of the will. So if the word is unclear, the will of God will also be unclear to them. Or if they only get a limited portion of the word, they'll only get a limited view of his will. It's through this attack 
that the devil has led countless Christians down the path of thinking that things were God's will when in reality they weren't, and vice versa. Another thing we need to look at is the importance of the valley. In Psalm 23 and 4 it said, The valley of the shadow of death. The phrase valley in the Hebrew means a gorge with lofty sides. A valley is a low point in the landscape. It's where the land becomes depressed, coming down to lower elevations. And this reveals a lot to us about the shadow of death. This is where the shadow resides. We have to ask ourselves, what does this really look like in daily life? The shadow of death isn't just referring to physical death, although that can be one manifestation of it. It can also refer to the death of our finances, death of a friendship or relationship, death of a career, or death of a dream or aspiration. The devil gets us to the point where we're at a low point, a point when we feel sad or discouraged, a time when we may indulge in the enemy's oppressions and allow him to make us feel depressed, a time when it feels like the walls on either side of us are closing in and there's no escape, when it feels like we face insurmountable obstacles, and then, beyond even all this, he holds the fear of these things collapsing continually over our heads, making us fear that one wrong move will cost us what we're trying so desperately to hold on to. The devil will try to tell us that if we lose that relationship, we can't possibly go on. Or if that friendship ends, we'll have no one. Or if we can't pay that bill, then we won't be able to have food on the table or keep the lights on. If we lose that job, we won't be able to support our family. Or if that dream dies, I'll have no motivation to keep going. These are all real feelings that people experience. And in the valley, with the high walls on either side, in the shadow where light is obscured and darkness surrounds us, these things seem to be true. They seem like they are what they claim to be. But just like we saw before, they may look like they're true. They may feel like they're true, but they're not. There's no substance to them. There's nothing backing them up. They're just empty, idle lies. They're just a shadow of death, not death itself. Even though it may just be the shadow and not the real substance itself, we still go through the valley sometimes. We still feel the darkness of the shadow. So what's the remedy? What do we do when we find ourselves there? God has provided a way for us to not only come out of the valley, but also for us to climb to the mountaintop. He doesn't want us to stay in that low, depressed land. He wants to elevate us and bring us up higher, to a land where we, like Moses viewing the promised land, can see all the promises of God available to us, see all the great plans and purposes He has willed for us, and see them as already belonging to us. The remedy is the opposite of the cause. The cause of being in the shadow was rebelling against the Word, and the remedy is returning to the Word, embracing the Word, cherishing the Word, and most importantly, doing and living the Word. We need to make the Word a priority, setting apart time each day to be with God, studying the scripture, allowing him to shine his light into our life through his word. Even more importantly, we need to be resolved in our minds and our hearts to not just hear the word, to not just see what we need to do, but to then actively do it. James 1 and 22 tells us, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We have to be willing to do the will, not just to know it. When we resolve to do this and actively go about it, we'll notice a change. We'll find a light shining into every area of our life. We'll find our circumstances beginning to change, and we'll find our perspective beginning to change. This doesn't mean that we won't have to go through the valley. It doesn't mean that the devil won't try to overshadow us with his lies and deceptions. But we won't fall for them. We'll see clearly, and we'll see in full. The greatest thing about having Christ in our lives 
is that he is the light of the world. And since he's within our spirit, we always have spiritual light. The problem is that most people are looking outwardly for their source of light. They're looking for it to come from people or things or circumstances. And when all those things fail to be a suitable substitute for spiritual light, like they inevitably will, they find themselves enveloped in the shadow. When we change our perspective to look inwardly for the source of our light, finding it in God, we'll never be without light again. The devil can try all he wants to obscure it or deprive us of it, but he can't because he can never take God away from us. He can try to distract us. He can try to overwhelm us, but he can never remove light from us. Since we've been made the light of the world through the light of Christ, we have a critical role in helping those around us. They may be in that dark innermost shadow where it may feel and look like there's no hope. There's only crippling fear, confusion, anxiety, worry, doubt, and a whole host of other problems. But this is only because they haven't seen the light of Christ. When we give them the gospel and they accept it, light will flood into their heart and they'll see that all those things that they were concerned with, all those fears that were so hard to endure, were just shadows with no substance. Isaiah 9 and 2 says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. This is a great promise, one that we need to claim in faith for ourselves and for others. We can be the vessel that God uses to shine a light into the life of someone else, and it's not an opportunity that we should take lightly. God takes notice of when we're in the shadow. He takes notice when those around us are in darkness, and he won't tolerate the devil or anyone else to withhold light from his people. It was part of his mission to save and to bring people out of the valley of the shadow of death. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 to 79 say, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high have visited us, to give light to them that sin in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in a way of peace. Whether you're in the valley of the shadow right now, or if you know that you've been through it before, let's make the choice today to embrace the word, stick close to the will of God, and to live the word, allowing the light within us to continually light our path and keep us away from the shadow of death. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's not your will that we have to reside in that valley of the shadow of death, that it's not your will that we have to stay in that sad, depressed, low land, but that you can elevate us, that you will bring us up to the mountaintop, that you will show us all the promises that are available to us so that we can claim them for ourselves in faith. And where we ask that you give us the wisdom to be able to perceive those promises as already belonging to us, which we know is true for your word. Lord, we thank you for the light that is within you and that you dwell within our spirit so that we're never without light. Lord, for those in the world who are still in that innermost, deepest part of the shadow, consumed by darkness, having no light at all, Lord, we thank you that you are going to use us as vessels to shine forth your light to those around us in the world, that a change may be brought about in their life, a change that leads them to you, so that they may see. Lord, help us to understand that when we go through the attacks of the enemy, that although they may seem and feel powerful in the moment, that there's actually no power in them. Lord, we know that you hold all power in heaven and earth. And Lord, we thank you that we can overcome the attacks of the enemy when we resist with the knowledge that there's nothing there, there's nothing backing them up, that they're just empty, idle lies. Lord, we thank you that you are truth and that we can find all that we need and all that we want in you. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you want to be led into the light and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.